0: What's up future PTAs, if you're taking the NPT in April 2023 and you're starting to get a little bit scared, overwhelmed, being like, ah, it's coming up. Don't worry, guys. We will have a last-minute review session on Sunday, March 26th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We're going to be covering a ton of topics that are pretty much all but guaranteed to show up on the NPTE. So, if you got nothing to do on that Sunday, come on in. There's also going to be a replay. Sign up in the link in the show notes down below. Get your ticket now. If you're taking the exam in July 2023 or later, listen up because we will be hosting our masterclass webinar on April 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That is a Sunday, and the link to register is down in the show notes down below. Y'all can go to ptaelevation.com/masterclass to sign up. I will be helping giving students the blueprint for NPTE studying. This exam is hard. It's a lot, and a lot of you guys have been reaching out to me, being like, "I don't even know where to start." This webinar is where to start. So sign up. It's going to be on Sunday, April sixteenth at one p.m. Eastern time. Take care, guys, and I will see you guys soon. What is up, everybody? Today we're going to be talking about spina bifida, myelomeningocele. So this is the most common type of spina bifida, and it is also the most severe type. So we're going to get into it and kind of talk about how it comes about, what's going on with it, how do we treat it, and what does it look like? So spina bifida itself is going to be um, a problem with the spinal cord, because it says spina. Uh, there's two types of spina bifida. There's spina bifida occulta, so that's where we don't see it popping out, so think like occluded, occult. Like it's it's hidden kind of thing. You just see a little tuft of hair, and then there's spina bifida aperta. So spina bifida aperta means a pair. Aperta mean in Latin means like appearance. You can see it. That's where the cyst protrudes out. So seal. So mylo being um, nerve, and then meningo being meninges, uh, and seal being cyst. So the the spinal cord of the nerves, the meningo of the meninges. So the spinal cord and the meninges are Bursting out into this cyst on the outside of the body, which makes sense. So, with that being said, remember our meninges, we got our dura mater, our arachnoid mater, and our pia mater. And that's from most outside to most internal. Uh, so, it's going to be protrusion of the spinal cord, meninges, and cerebrospinal fluid. If it's just the cerebrospinal fluid, it's uh, spina bifida occulta. If it's uh, the um, uh, meninges and CSF, it's going to be uh, meningocele. That's our differences. So make sure you know the difference between the types of spina bifida. But today we're just going to talk about um, myeloma ninja because it's the most common, most severe, and most likely to show up on the exam. This is going to be a neural tube defect. I'll talk about that in the next slide to kind of explain how it works. Um, how it actually happens is outside the scope of the MPTE. I'll tell you exactly what you need to know for the MPTE. If you want to know more, just let me know. I'm a neural right now. It's wild. Uh, So you're going to think of this as like a spinal cord injury. This protrusion is essentially a lesion to the spinal cord because imagine how well it can work when it's all twisted up and folded in on itself and like pinched off. It's not going to work very well. So we're going to see that it's going to kind of be like a spinal cord injury. So if you got it at like the L2 level, you're not going to be able to dorsiflex. You can hip flex a little bit, but you're not going to be able to dorsiflex. You'll lose sensory motor below the level of the protrusion or lesion. If I say lesion, that's, I mean, protrusion. I'm just so used to saying lesion. It's going to affect the brain because the CSF. Cerebro being brain, spinal, spinal column. The CSF washes through the brain and the spinal cord. With this protrusion, it just makes, makes expands it. There's a lot more space. Um, it's like a whole extra bit of CSF floating around. That's why we see the hydrocephalus in the brain, just extra CSF, because of the protruding, protruding spinal cord. Um, And then our sacral nerves are going to be affected. So we're going to see problems with bowel and bladder because our sacral nerves are going to be either not working because there's no communication because it's cut off or they're just going to be impaired based on the location of the cyst itself. So they're going to be on a bowel and bladder program to help manage that to make sure that they're not um, like urinating on themselves, which could cause maceration, cause other problems, skin breakdown, infection, you know, the whole thing. We don't want that happening. So let's talk about how this happens. So this is a neural tube defect that happens around eight weeks of gestation. Usually this is due to a lack of folic acid, which is one of our vitamin Bs and, a lack of folic acid will cause uh, difficulty in nerves to be able to develop. So a lot of people who have like radiculopathy, like my dad had really bad radiculopathy and couldn't feel his leg, they prescribed him folic acid to help with nerve regeneration because it helps nerves grow. So folic acid will help the neural tube grow. So this is a little picture on the side here. And if you're listening to this on a podcast, um, we have this picture here that you can see on YouTube, and it's basically about embryonic development. So if you don't realize this, we develop rostrally, which is um, our cephalically, caudos, however we want to say it. Basically what that means is we were all at one point just a butthole, and then we developed all the way up to our mouth. So with that being said, same thing kind of happens with our back. It kind of folds in on itself, our neural tube. This is all All I'm going to explain right now. is just if you're a nerd and you want to learn more, listen, all you need to know for the NPT is this is why it's, spina bifida happens in the lumbar spine. As we're developing and the neural tube closes in on itself, usually closes in starting from the butt going up. Um, and then we see that sometimes it doesn't completely close up. And it can even happen, it either folds here and then goes upwards, goes downwards, zips up and down. We can see that a lot of times, because this part of the bottom is usually the first part that starts developing, we see that sometimes it doesn't close all the way down in the lumbar region. And that's why we end up having spina bifida down in the lumbar region. Now, a lot of times this happens due to environmental factors, either the individual's aware of it, such as consuming alcohol while pregnant, or they're not, like maybe there's herbicides in the food or like, you know, the environment, there's carcinogens around, stuff like that. All those environmental factors can affect the, um, an individual to possibly have a child that's developing spina bifida. Um, again, this happens around week eight, which means like, if you didn't know you were pregnant until like week, like six or something like that, um, which most people find out by the time they're like, what, six to eight weeks pregnant. Usually if you find out in time, like the body has its ways of preventing problems to happen to the embryo, um, until about eight weeks, because that's when the embryo starts to fully develop. So you're okay. You're okay. If you had a couple drinks and didn't know you were pregnant yet, you're Okay. This is more like you're drinking and you're like three to four months along. That's when it's causing problems. So with that being said understanding you're not i'm trying to (laughs) talking people off a ledge who might be on a ledge right now thinking that they're hurting their their fetus you're fine um this a lot of times can happen randomly like environmental factors tend to be something that could affect it so like cigarette smoking um you know too much toxicity in the foods or the water that you're consuming stuff like that that can be some things that could lead to spina bifida also can be random genetic predisposition but we always like to talk about environmental factors because folic acid can really, really help eliminate these things from happening, and lack of folic acid tends to be one of those key things that ends up leading to spina bifida. So I'm sure you've heard of folic acid. If you know anyone who's been pregnant, you've been pregnant. It's probably one of your prenatal vitamins. That's why they had you take this to help with neural tube development. So that's why one of the things we could possibly, it might ask you a question of like which one of these supplements would be best to prevent spina bifida. It'd be folic acid. So. Just be aware of that because that could show up on the NPTE talking about folic acid and its ability to help with neural development. Um, So off my soapbox now, let's talk about what's going on. So it's protrusion of the meninges, the CSF, and the spinal cord because it's myelomeningocele. Uh, It's going to be the posterior vertebral arch doesn't develop completely. So you can see in this picture, you got a vertebrae, vertebrae, and then there's just no vertebrae here. It's because the posterior vertebral arch didn't develop. So it didn't ossify. So that's why the cyst is able to protrude out. And that usually happens in utero. So all of this happens well, well, well before um, we see somebody develop. And these things that say like 21, 22, 28 days, ignore that. It's eight weeks. That's what the boards wants you to know. And this is the most severe type of spina bifida. So what does it look like? So we have this little protrusion here of the cyst. If you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, check out the YouTube video to see the pictures. Uh, They're kind of funky looking, I will say. So this is our cyst popping out. So see how it's happening, like, you know, in this lumbosacral region kind of area, really far down, very bad protrusion. Um, This can actually be fixed in utero sometimes. So the cyst is going to be non-translucent. So I'm sure you've heard of like, sometimes they'll take a flashlight, put it up to the cyst, and then they'll be like, um, like, can they see through it or not? If they can see through it, then it's meningeal. If they can't see through it, it's myelomeningeal because the spinal cord is blocking the light from going through. Fun fact. Um, Patient will also in 90% of the cases have hydrocephalus. So that's the second picture here with the big blown up head. Um, that's just due to the fact there's an excess of cerebral spinal fluid floating around inside of the cyst. It's going to go up to the head because it's all connected. So we're going to see that um, the individual ends up having an excess of cerebral spinal fluid accumulating in the head, presenting with hydrocephalus. Uh, This can be corrected surgically by placing a shunt. So just understand that some of the patients might have a past medical history of having a shunt placed in their head, and that's to address their hydrocephalus. So if you see hydrocephalus, associate that with myelomeningocele. We're talking about a type of spina bifida. They might also present with an Arnold Chiari malformation. So that's down here at the bottom. So what an Arnold Chiari malformation is, is part of the brain protrudes down into the spinal cord. And this is a lot more common than people think. Um, you've probably known somebody or known of somebody, like probably one or two degrees separation from somebody who has an Arnold Chiari mal- malformation or had surgery to correct it. Um, it's usually type two. So it's just protrusion of the brain into the spinal cord. So don't be scared by this big word. Now you know what it is, and you understand it is associated with spina bifida, myelomeningocele, and you can tell why, because it's also kind of associated with the hydrocephalus. The brain swells up, pushes the brain down into the spinal cord. Kind of happens. You can see how it's all connected. So as I was saying before, because we're kind of treating this similarly to like a spinal cord injury, the patient's going to present with sensory and motor loss below the level of the lesion, so they could... um, have like no they're not gonna be able to like dorsiflex, they might not be able to feel the bottom of their foot if it's like at the L1 level or something like that. We're talking at spinal cord levels. Um and so you're gonna see that's why it presents similarly. That also kind of makes sense why a lot of these individuals will use a wheelchair for their primary form of ambulation within the community because they're kind of as if they have a spinal cord injury. Um, This patient might also present with some learning disabilities as well. And so you'll just have to make sure that the patient has the appropriate support needs in place to help manage that if they need additional help, like either in school or, you know, functioning in their uh, life to make sure that their needs are met. This patient will also, sorry I said spinal cord injury, the other characteristics could be of structural deformities because is going to really affect the uh, brain, spinal cord, all of everything below the level of the protrusion. Um, you're going to see that they could end up with structural scoliosis. Um, you could have a club foot or any sort of hind foot deformities. These are very common because it's affecting the lower extremities. You're going to see twisting of the foot and stuff like that so if you see like which like something associated with um spina bifida and it's talking about like foot deformities that's because it's all messed up because the patient um doesn't have the proper muscles being developed and you know their baby's not kicking in utero and stuff like that so their muscles are all you know contracting um well contracturing and they're getting stuck in that like equine like inversion plantar flexion kind of position so that's why you would see that So some people are like, that doesn't make any sense. It's in the back. Well, remember all the muscles down there don't work. So it's just going to end up in a contracture of whatever it ends up being in. And you know, if you're just going to lay there and you're going to stick your feet out and not do anything, your feet are automatically going to go into plantar flexion and inversion. So that's why they end up with a club foot because it's not working. Um, And then also latex allergy. A lot of individuals with spina bifida, myelomeningocele have a latex allergy. And I could not tell you why, but they do. So make sure you don't use latex. There you go. Just a fun fact that the boards will sometimes throw on just because they're in a silly, goofy mood, you know? All right, so how are we treating this? So surgical intervention in utero, These are. I'm gonna give off the surgical interventions first, which obviously we're not surgeons or else you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. Maybe you are, if you're a med student listening to this, hello, we're happy to have you here. Go be an awesome surgeon. We want to support you, but here are some surgical interventions that you need to be aware of that maybe your patient went through. um, So then you can know how you're going to like address it post-surgically if you're going to be interacting with this individual. So you could have surgical intervention in utero to address the cysts so they can like I don't know, reduce the cyst. I don't know the exact word, but like fix it basically fix the cyst in utero, which is super cool that they can do a lot of these things in utero. They can do like heart surgeries, like in utero, like it's crazy. It's wild. Um, you do not want the cysts to burst though. That's why they'll do it in utero. Um, because either the baby will need to be taken out by C-section to not burst the cyst because if you burst the cyst, that is a medical emergency. Um, I know it's like you know the the forbidden pop in this picture here you're like I kind of want to like don't it's it's a medical emergency kind of thing um because you're basically Depleting spot, cerebral spinal fluid. Uh, they could also have surgery to correct their Arnold Chiari malformation, as I was saying earlier, and that shunt can be placed to address hydrocephalus. Physical therapy intervention, so where we come into place, a lot of caregiver and parent education for safe positioning and handling, especially early on as an infant. If they have that cyst to really make sure that they're not, no popping the cyst, bad um, these individuals should also be involved as much as possible to help provide the most quality care for the patient. So understanding like how to change their splints if they're being splinted, um, how to you know put their orthotics on for the baby, um, how to understand how assistive devices work, how to fold them up and stuff like that. Have the parents and caregivers be as involved as possible with any pediatric patient parent and caregiver education and involvement in care is one of the things that's going to give the highest positive outcome for the patient so if there's an answer that's talking about like what should what's the most important thing to have going on with this kid if it's not like weight shifting or something it's going to be parental involvement in care because that really does increase the chances of positive outcomes for these individuals and increase their quality of life Um, So treat this patient like it's a spinal cord injury patient. So get them understanding to do weight shifting in their chair to avoid any sort of um, pressure ulcers, you know, positioning, bed mobility, all that stuff, bowel and bladder program. So if they need to go see a a pelvic floor therapist, understanding that they're probably going to do intermittent catheterization, similarly to how a spinal cord injury patient does it. Um, Just kind of understanding how all of that works and just being aware of those sort of things. Even people with spina bifida occulta, some of them end up doing intermittent catheterization uh, just to make sure, because just because that's the one thing that's affected. Like their legs are fine, everything's fine. It's just their bowel and bladder needs help. That's the big thing. Um, splinting, casting to fix deformities. So like that club foot, they'll do the serial casting, stuff like that. Maybe they're doing, uh, do certain uh, splinting to avoid contractures of the knee, hip, all that stuff. Um, appropriate support needs based on what the child needs specifically. So is it wheelchair management, assisted device training, orthoses training, uh, getting them in with an orthotic, or, orthotist, orthotic person, or whoever's the orthotic specialist, I just totally blanked out, but um, the per. Any sort of you know orthotic person to help them out to make sure that they're seeing the appropriate specialist, and then if they need any sort of psychological helps, um, either um, you know helping with mental health needs or even you know a school psychologist getting them on board with an IEP if they have any sort of mental disabilities. It's a more interdisciplinary approach with these individuals, especially if we're dealing with children. So that's what I would say for that. Keywords here, guys: latex allergy. I'm throwing that in there. But that shows up sometimes hydrocephalus because it's like 90% of the cases of this end up having it arnold PRA malformation usually due to the hydrocephalus that kind of go hand in hand uh, if you're seeing these words and they're talking about a specific what type of spina bifida it's probably myelomeningocele protrusion of the spinal cord that's a big one because it's the meninges in both overlapping between uh, myelomeningocele and meningocele Um, And then cyst in the lumbar region. So the lumbar region is where they're the most common. They do sometimes happen in the cervical region, not so much in the thoracic region, um, but definitely like I think 75% of cases are in the lumbar region. And it's due to a neural tube defect where I went into all that weird embryology stuff. But just understanding that neural tube defect, use your folic acid to help make sure that we're not developing that. So sample question a physical therapist assistant is treating a six-year-old patient with a history of spina bifida myelomeningocele. Which of the following clinical characteristics would least be expected when treating a patient diagnosed with spina bifida myelomeningocele? One, patient demonstrates dysfunction of bowel and bladder. Two, patient has a history of cerebral spinal shunt placement surgery. Three, patient demonstrates hind foot deformities or four, patient has full sensation in bilateral lower extremities. So i give you guys a second to think about that. All right, guys, so the answer is patient has full sensation in bilateral lower extremities. This is the least expected with a patient with spina bifida myelomeningocele because you're going to have a sensory and motor affected below the level of the protrusion. Which we didn't say where it was, but either it's in the up, it's in some part of the spinal cord. So that's why I put lower extremities that you're probably going to see that. Uh, could be full sensation upper extremities, depending on where it is, uh, but you're going to see lower extremity involvement with anybody who's got spina bifida, my and because it's so far down. Now, as I said before, because it's a spinal cord injury, basically, you're going to have dysfunction of bowel and bladder, regardless of what type of spina bifida. History of cerebral spinal shunt placement surgery. Um, that could be expected because if they have 90% of people having hydrocephalus, that's the treatment for it. So, makes sense with the myelomeningocele. And then, patient demonstrates hind foot deformities. I mean, that's probably common with myelomeningocele. Even if you weren't too sure about that one, you definitely know they're not going to have full sensation. They could have some sensation, but sensation is probably. Um, affected at least at some point in the lower extremities and definitely going to be bilaterally. So I hope this helped you guys understand a little bit more about spina bifida and I will see you guys in the next one. Take care everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of the PTA Elevation podcast. We look forward to continually serving you as you embark on your journey towards becoming a licensed physical therapist assistant. We thank you for your continued support and we'll see you in the next episode.